We're going to continue our vision series today and, um, you know, I hope you've been enjoying it. It's been, um, it's been so exciting for the elders and the leadership team just to be, um, yeah, delivering this message to you guys because we've been working through it for quite a few months and Murray started, started us off a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, and he started us off with week one by talking about what it means to be in passionate pursuit of Jesus. And um, that statement is um, on our very front doors as you walk in. And I think it's just wonderful that the name of Jesus is held held high in this place. Isn't that good that one of the first things that people see when they walk into the doors of Hume Ridge is Jesus' name, name above all names. Isn't that good? Yes. So he talked about God's unique thumbprint for Hume Ridge as we move forward into this new season that he wants us to be in passionate pursuit of him. And then Murray spoke in week two about together we. There's also another statement that starts off with together we and what that looks like. It speaks into the fact that God created us for community. He wants us to do life together. And then week three, last week, he spoke about Together we know. God is calling us to truly know him through his word and his spirit, a new revelation of God's grace and truth. Today, together we grow. We're talking about together we grow in the grace and truth of Jesus. You know, there are constantly things growing around us. You know, you just have to look around and you can see things that are growing. You know, one minute you see a beautiful new baby come into the church and you see them all gorgeous. And you know that smell that babies have? All the women are going, yes, yes. You can tell I want to be a grandmother, hey? (laughs) You know, those beautiful little babies, they're all wrapped up and they're gorgeous and they're snuggly and... And it's like within a flash, all of a sudden you see that same baby's running around. It's like, what happened? Where did that year go? Or, you know, guys, maybe this is something you can relate to. You mow the lawn. And uh, it feels like you've just put the mower away and then all of a sudden you're getting the mower out again. Yes? Yeah. Not so much this time of year, but uh, certainly in summer it's like, what happened? Why is it growing so fast? And our hair, well, for some of us, Our hair, it grows. You know, you have it cut and then all of a sudden you feel like it's just in the wrong place again and it's sticking up all over the place and it's time for another haircut. But, you know, in my research I found out something. I love Google and you find out some really interesting things and I hope this is correct. But anyway, I'm going to tell you anyway because I thought it was really good. One of the fastest growing plants in the world is actually a type of bamboo. And this bamboo grows, now let me read my facts here, it grows 91 centimetres, now that's just short of a metre, in case you're not good with your maths, 91 centimetres in a 24-hour period. Wow, that's what I did. I went, wow, and then I had to do a bit more research just to see. You know, that's almost four centimetres in an hour. What an incredible rate of growth. And it got me thinking, imagine, imagine if as Christians we grew at that rate spiritually. Wow. That would be wow too. 
You know, there's a great question to ask ourselves, and it's this. Am I growing spiritually? Am I growing spiritually? And I wonder if you looked back, if you just sat there right now and just thought about 12 to 18 months ago, your life now and how you are living in God, have you grown spiritually? Can you go, yeah, 12 months ago, I was doing this, this and this, or I wasn't doing this, this and this, but I can see that in 12 months, I have definitely grown spiritually. You know, there's so much for us to learn as Christians. Would you agree? Yeah. And, um, you know, I know that um, if I was to ask you the question, out of all the things there is to know about God, and obviously we know that through his beautiful and precious word, but out of all the things there are to know about God, what percentage would you know? What percentage? Does anyone want to yell out what they think it would be? Not enough, someone said. (laughs) True, five, someone said 5%. Does anyone think that's high? You know, maybe, maybe not. I actually said, well, let's just be really generous. And I said, what if it was 10%? Let's just say it was 10% that we felt like we knew. Do you know what? That leaves 90% of what we don't know about our God. So wouldn't you agree that there's room for us to grow? There's room for us to experience God out of the box that we tend to put him in that 10% or 5%, 2%, whatever you said, that we do know. And you know, one of the things that I do know about growth is that it's a stretch. That if we want to grow, it usually means stretch. And one thing I do know is that none of us like to be stretched. No one likes to be stretched. I actually am a member of a gym. Actually, I'm a donor of a gym. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm 100% honest with you, um, I keep saying to myself, right, next week I'm going back to the gym, I'm going back to the gym. Um, That was about two months ago. Um, But I am a member of a gym, and one of the things that my PT has said to me that, Kaz, if you want to grow and develop and get fitter, and if you want, you know, your body type to change and everything, it's going to mean stretch. It's going to hurt. It's going to mean you're going to have to pursue some things that um, you may not feel comfortable with. And you know what? I don't think that's any different for us spiritually. I just really believe that if we're comfortable, then maybe we're not quite being stretched enough in our spiritual journey. So spiritual growth, what is it? And um, we're going to unpack a lot of scriptures today. And I'm not going to apologise for that because... um, you know, sorry, not sorry kind of thing, because uh, I just think the Word of God is the power to transform lives. And so we are going to go through a lot of verses, and we're going to start off with Second Peter, but before we do, let's just pray, okay? Father God, I just thank you and praise you for your Word. I thank you, Lord God, that we can learn so much about life and um, about you, Lord God. And so, Father, right now, I just pray that you open our minds, our spirits to receive something from you, Lord. I just pray that you stretch us, 
take us out of that comfortable space and um, grow us, Lord God, so that we can be more like your precious son. And Lord, I just pray that you just, um, yeah, just bless my words, Lord God, because I realise the, um, the weight on which it is to deliver your word. And so, Father, I humbly come before you this morning and pray that you just bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start with 2 Peter 1, verse 3 to 8. Are you ready? Two people are awesome. Okay. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, and I want you to underline this for those of you who've brought your Bibles with paper, um, underline, make every effort, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, did you notice that's not stagnant? Increasing measure, underline that as well. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, good punchy scripture to start with. How good is that? And here's four things that I picked out of that just really quickly. So spiritual growth includes, one, increasing in the knowledge and understanding of God through his word. Okay? Number two, decreasing in the frequency and severity of sin becoming more self-controlled, seeking God and going to him and seeking his grace, forgiveness and being repentant of our sins. Number three, increasing in our faith and trust in God and perhaps the best summary of spiritual growth is number four, becoming more like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, and um, I, I just love this. I've used this scripture before, but I just thought it was so appropriate here. Um, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it says, Paul says to the Corinthians, follow my example. What a bold statement to say. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so, you know, if you want to know what you need to do to live as a Christian, follow Jesus. Know him, know him intimately, pursue him. Spiritual growth, how is it done? Learning how to grow spiritually is a lifelong journey which occurs as we read and apply God's word to our life. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says this, Every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature 
and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Isn't that great? You'll be prepared for any assignment he gives you. And I know some people are sitting there going, oh, an assignment, that sounds really big. But you know, your assignment could be that when you walk through those doors this morning, that you are just going to move towards people with a great attitude of encouragement and love and just make them feel welcome. That could be your assignment. That could be your assignment. Um, in order for spiritual growth to occur, we must be open to being taught, rebuked, corrected, and trained by God's word. So when we can be, so then we can be equipped for every assignment God has for us. Another key to Christian growth is being led by the Spirit. And we're going to go through quite a lot of scriptures in Galatians about this. So open up to Galatians 5, 16 to 26. And I'll be reading from the, the Passion Translation. Okay. And it will be up on your screen as well. As you yield freely and fully to the, the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and to hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into full freedom of the spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the um, domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment, when others are favoured, temper tantrums, angry quarrels. It sounds like a two-year-old, doesn't it? <laughs> Only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other sim similar behaviour. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you. Now, just take note of that. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a full life of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that, who, keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with your self-life, was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him, pursuing him once again, following after him. So 
So may we never be arrogant or look down on another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the values of others. You see, being led by the, by the Spirit is allowing God to fill you and take the lead and guide you. You know, I um, have heard Murray talk about sometimes, it's like letting God be in the driver's seat of the car. And you know, some of you have asked Jesus into your heart and you've become a Christian, and that's awesome. And um, so when you did that, basically you allowed Jesus to, to, and God just to go into that driver's seat. But how many times do we um, either want to get back into the driver's seat or we're the one sitting in the passenger seat with the steering wheel, you know, trying to show the turns. But the other thing is, too, that I love to talk about is it's like our life is like a, a beautiful book with many different chapters of the different seasons of life. And, you know, we can write the chapters, but when we ask Jesus into our life, it's like we're giving God the pen, But, you know, the great thing about our God is he doesn't take the pen out of our hand. He puts his hand around our hand and helps write the chapters of our life. You know, when we're being led by the Holy Spirit, it's brought about by by consciously choosing by faith to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you through in word and in actions. Spiritual growth, what are the results? So spiritual growth is, as I said before, a lifelong process of allowing God to take the lead. So there is less of our own selfish desires and more of God producing the fruits of the Spirit in us. Notice in that scripture that the Holy Spirit was the one who produces the fruit in us. It's not like we had to strive for it. It's the Holy Spirit produces it as we step into the things of him. Yes, we must submit ourselves to the Spirit's leading, but it's the Spirit that produces the fruit. If you are becoming more loving, if you are becoming more joyful and more kind, more self-controlled, etc., all those things, then you can rest assured that uh, that spiritual growth is genuinely occurring in your life. I believe when the Fruits of the Spirit of God are evident in our lives, both individually but also corporately as a community, then I believe that um, it will just make such a difference. This will be like a lighthouse on a hill. And I believe that our church values will just come naturally to us. So you know what the church values are? I'll remind you. Things like gracious inclusivity, authentic relevance, Courageous faith, humble generosity, intentional excellence, connected creativity, irresistible fun, and established trust. You know, God works in us in all different ways. We're all different, we're all unique, we all have our own little thumbprints. And, um, you know, I think for some people, it's a real rapid growth, it's like the bamboo plant. It's quick. And for others, it's just slow and steady. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. It doesn't matter how quick or slow it is. Our focus should not be on comparing ourselves to others. And, you know, we have a real tendency to do this. We might see someone who can just quote scripture after scripture 
off the top of their head. And uh, we think that that is very spiritual. And yet they don't show any signs of the fruit of the Spirit. And so um, the thing that we need to compare ourselves with is not with other people and the rate at their growth or how many scriptures they can reel off the top of their head, how many times they're in church or any of that, but we have to compare ourselves with the Word of God and what God says about us and who we are in Him. You know, there's um, two people that came to mind about different rates of growth in the scriptures and one of them was the Apostle Paul. And I thought about him and I thought about, um, wow, what a quick conversion on the road to Damascus. It was just insane. And so his rate of growth was turned from basically being a terrorist into a disciple, an apostle of, um, of Jesus. And, you know, his growth was really fast. And then I think of someone like Peter who just seemed to always make mistakes and um, grew from his mistakes and uh, that, was, that was okay too. For me, I know that I've found that my spiritual growth has usually happened in about three ways. And uh, these are the three ways for me. And it may be totally different for you. But when I stretch myself to go deeper uh, with God into his word and also step out of the things outside of my comfort zone, I find that that's when I grow You know, for me, one minute I can be listening to contemporary speakers like Carl Lentz and Judah Smith, and the next minute I'll I'll find myself watching a podcast by um, conservative speakers like John MacArthur and and, uh, Ravi um, Zacharias and people like that. And so I try, and then the next minute I could be watching an African deliverance ministry. And so, you know, there's, there's extremes and there's reasons behind that is because I never, ever want to be in that 10% for the rest of my life of just going, this is all I know and this is what I'm comfortable with. I'm comfortable with that speaker and so this is all I'm going to listen to. I stretch myself. Now, will I agree with everything that they have to say all the time? No. But you know what I do agree with? The word of God that they deliver. That's what I agree with. And so then it's up to me to take that word and, and dissect it myself. Number two, when I get through the storms of life, those hard times can bring rapid growth if we lean into God during them. You know, and I know for me that I can look back and I know that a couple of years ago I had some intense things happening in my life. Um, there was a certain person talking about different things over me and to me and about me and um, it was just a really intense time and um, the thing that I did is I just continued to lean into God. I got wise counsel and I leant into his word and I worshipped. They're the things that I did and I know that out of that situation I just grew so rapidly. The other thing that I did is I looked for books, godly books that were about the circumstance that I was in And I taught myself through that thing as well. And number three was having a mentor and being a mentor. You know, I I know that having a mentor in my life that's prepared to ask me the hard questions when need be and just ask how I'm going and how am I going um, as a wife and a mother but also spiritually as well um, that I'm accountable to, then that is one of the most important things for me. And the other thing is being a mentor. 
is that um, meeting with other people and um, sharing my journey. And one of the things I say to every single person that I meet with is that um, when I meet with them, I am going to learn from you just like you learn from me because there's so much we can learn from each other. It doesn't matter what stage of the journey you're at, we can learn from each other. You know, the scriptures talk about iron, sharpening iron, and that's what I believe having a mentor and being a mentor is all about. The scriptures are a mirror to show us what we are like spiritually, to shine light on the areas that need to change, that we need to grow in. James 1, 23 to 25 says this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And there's a great quote by um, Craig Grishel, and um, he says this. He says, spiritual maturity isn't about how much we know. It's about how much we obey You know, you can know the word of God from back to front, but unless you're prepared to obey the words and to step into the words. You know, I I know for me that um, if I am around someone who um, knows a lot about the word of God and yet they are negative and grumpy and look like they've been sucking on lemons and all that sort of thing, then I just don't feel like I can grow from that person. And so um, it's important that not only what you say, but you're living it. Now, does that mean we have to be happy, clappy people all the time? Not necessarily, no. But I think how we deliver things is really, really important. Things that will stagnate spiritual growth. And I just want to get honest for a little while here, because I think there are some things that will stagnate us from growing closer to God. And the first thing, and uh, this might hit a little nerve, but we're not here to be comfortable, are we? Are we okay? Yeah, okay. The whole feed me mentality. Feed me, feed me mentality. That you need to take me deeper mentality. I'm not being fed is often a spiritualised way of saying your preaching isn't doing it for me anymore. However, the statement, I'm not being fed, represents a passive attitude that makes discipleship extremely difficult. It puts an expectation on the sermon that no number of sermons can possibly deliver while ignoring altogether the individual responsibility for spiritual growth outside of what happens in a sermon. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 in the NIV, says this. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. 
um, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I want to give you an example of this. So we feed a baby a bottle. That's right. We give them milk, yes, in a bottle. And so we have to um, make sure that the bottle is um, sterilised. We have to put the right amount of formula in it, the right amount of distilled water, and then we have to make sure it's the right temperature. We then need to hold that bottle. See our beautiful little baby up there? Um, hold that bottle for the baby so that it can feed. Now, let me just say something. There's a time for this, okay? It's not a wrong time. There is a time to have the milk, but you don't have the milk forever because then there's the meat on the plate, okay? There's a steak. I'm sorry if you're hungry. <laughs> um, but then there's the meat on the plate, now, if Mars was to take me to a beautiful steak restaurant in Toowoomba and um, the chef came out and said to me, um, now, how would you like your steak? And I said that I'd like it medium. And uh, he cooked that steak and brought it out to me. How weird would it be if I expected the chef to start pick up my fork and my steak knife and start cutting it for me? and putting it in my mouth. Now, we look at that in the natural and go, that's absurd. That would just be really weird. You know, the way it should look is that the chef comes out after cooking the steak, and I sit there and I say to the chef, how did you do that? How did you cook? How did you get that steak perfect? Now, anyone who knows me and goes to a restaurant with me knows that this is so me. I sit there and it drives me crazy because I'll sit there dissecting the meal to work out how I can make it when I get home. <laughs> it's true. Who can afford to go to restaurants all the time? So you've got to try and come up with it yourself. And so, um, you know, I would find out from the chef, how did you make that? So that then I can go home and I can make it and I can plate it up for myself. But more than that, I can make it for myself and I can make it for my friends. And I can make it for my friends and then I can show my friends how to make it and then how to serve it for themselves and eat it and enjoy it. Does this sound familiar by any chance? You know, learn, grow, teach others. The goal of every believer should never be for a pastor under whom they sit in a, up in their big high chairs in church for the rest of their lives to sit back and say, feed me, feed me. You know what? You're not in high chairs here. It's not up to us to feed you, feed you. Do we have a responsibility to bring the word? Absolutely. But can I tell you, if you're sitting there and you're not taking notes, you're only retaining a very, very small... Science tells us you only retain a very, very small amount of what you're hearing. And if you're sitting there not taking notes or not writing at least the scriptures down... You're relying on my version of what those scriptures say. You see, what would be great and how you start to eat steak is you write down every scripture that's presented to you on a Sunday or at Life Group or anything else and you take it home and you sit before God with that scripture and you feed yourself. 
You get your steak knife out in your own little hand and you start cutting and feed yourself and you watch what God does. You watch what God does. Our goal should be to become disciples who feed ourselves from the source so that one day we can actually feed others and teach them to do the same thing. Let us not forget Jesus' great commission was not for pastors, not just for pastors and missionaries. You know what the great commission is, don't you? Yeah. To go out and make disciples. Now, it's not just for pastors and missionaries, but for all who would come after him. This means to be able to be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. And while your pastors certainly have a role, so do you. So do you. So if you're not being fed at the moment, or if you think that you aren't going deep enough, it's another way of saying the same thing, then I'd encourage you to ask yourself whether it's time to pick up the steak knife. Now, another thing that I think that stops us from growing is burnout. And um, if you're somebody who's sitting here who has been burnt out, then can I, on behalf of Murray and I, say that we are so sorry that that has happened to you. If that has happened to you through ministry in this place, then I am really sorry that that has happened. And that's a true apology from both of us. And, you know, one of the things that Murray and I are continually asking our team, and I'm sure that they would um, say that this is true, is how are you? We ask how our team's going, how are you? And then, you know, usually they say, fine, but then we say, no, really, how are you going? You know, we know there's times, there's seasons where things are really busy and seasons where it's quieter, but we ask our team how they're going. And, um, you know, there's times where we say, you know, do you have to let go of that? Or how are you going? The other thing we ask is, how are you going at your day off? Because there's a responsibility as much as, you know, we are responsible to make sure that there is no burnout happening. Like the steak knife, there is a responsibility on us as well. You know, one of the things that I had to learn is that I can say no. If my world at the time is just over busy and then someone asks me to do something else that I know my capacity is at its absolute peak, then I have a responsibility for me too. I can't just blame someone else because I said yes. So can we be big mature Christians and be able to say no? Can you hear it from me, from Murray and I, that it's okay to say no sometimes? If you're at capacity, then say no. Or if your plates are spinning, you've got so many plates spinning, then maybe you need to look at which ones you need to keep and which ones need to go. I had a meeting with a young lady um, this week and um, we were sitting in my office and I could not believe how many plates this young 20-year-old, I think she is, um, had spinning. It was phenomenal. And I actually released her. I said, sweetie, I said, if you can do this, great, more power to you. But if you need to take off one of the plates, that's okay. That's okay. Do we understand? Yep. 
that there's not only a responsibility of us as pastors and, and all the people that are leading different groups, but there's a responsibility as you, from, for you as an individual as well to say no. The other thing, the last one, that I think that will stifle a church from, from growing or individuals from growing, and that is negativity, cynicism, gossip and slander. You know, you think about the scripture that I read from the Galatians, from Galatians is the exact opposite to those words that I just said. You know, if you hear those words, negativity, cynicism, gossip, slander, do you think of Jesus? No. You know, when we think of Jesus, and that's who we're meant to be like, like Paul said, you know, I'm, I want to be like Jesus, then we think of love, we think of grace, we think of brotherly kindness. You know, we really need to think about what we say to individuals or to a group and how we say it. Because you just don't know what someone's going through. And you know, if you think that what you just said is going to come out of the mouth of Jesus, then go ahead and say it. But if not, it's time to just be quiet. You might think you might have an opinion or whatever, but uh, if it's not benefiting that person, if it's not encouraging them and lifting them up, or it might be a challenge for them, that's okay, but if it's coming from a place of love, because that's the most important thing. You know, the Bible says that um, words have the power to build up or tear down. And so I just wonder what your words that you've said even today, from waking up this morning to sitting in here, have your words built up the people around you? Or would they, if they were actually put into action, have they actually teared them down? Just something to think about. So here are some practical ways that we can grow in our faith. And so these are practical things that are happening already in the life of the church. A couple of weeks ago, I actually asked the church, how many people have done the course Christianity Explained? And I'm going to be honest with you, and this hope doesn't sound judgmental, but I, I thought it was phenomenal how few people had actually done Christianity Explained in this church. You see, Christianity Explained course is a beautiful um, course on the foundations of the Christian faith. And you know, if we are strong in the foundations of our Christian faith, then I believe all other things will follow from it. If we're strong in the foundations of the Christian faith, then I believe that it will be so much easier to give reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. And so I would love over the next 12 months to see so many people signing up to do Christianity Explained. You know, I'm going to be really challenging the young adults to be doing that. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for 60 years. How good would it be if you did it? Not necessarily for you because you need to know it, but because you know that somebody else in that course needs to be blessed. You see, this is what we tend to do is the whole feed me thing becomes very selfish. But what about if you're doing it because, one, you can bring someone that doesn't know much about or just be there to encourage somebody else? So there's a challenge, first challenge for you. There's other things happening in the church like know your Bible. 
um, a course that happens at different times during the week. And all these things, you can go up to the information um, little desk and you can ask them about um, any of these things you want to step into. But these are the challenges for you now. It's getting real. You know, you can sit there, listen and walk out the door and just continue on. But if you truly want to grow, what are you going to step into? What's going to change in the next 12 months so that you look back on today and go, since that talk about growth, these are the things that I've been able to step into and I can just see what God's done in my life. Accountability groups. How many people here are in some form of accountability group? So they have a mentor or they, they have um, someone that speaks into their life. Okay. So there's room for growth in that too, hey? So, you know, accountability group is not getting together and having coffee and having a chat about the week and work. An accountability group is saying, I want to grow and let's do it together, not just by myself. So maybe you can just pursue someone and say, hey, would you be keen to meet up every couple of weeks or once a month and, hey, let's just have some questions that we ask each other. What are you reading at the moment? What are you getting out of it? What's God saying to you? Um, how are you going at being a father or a, a husband or wife or um, so accountability groups. The other thing is prayer. Um, I um, found out just recently and um, I didn't realise, I mean we're still learning about all the multiple things that happen in the church and one of the things that um, I found out about about a month ago was um, that at 8am there's a group of people that pray for our service in our church in the little lounge um, and they pray for the service. And I was thinking about that and I thought to myself, everything that I've ever known about churches that grow, now I'm not just talking about in numbers, I'm talking about growth, getting closer to Jesus as well. Um, they have people that pray and it's not just necessarily a couple of people but it's a church that prays. And I know a lot of you would pray, but how good would it be that if that little lounge became too small, that we decided to be a church that where church doesn't start at nine, it actually starts at eight. And we became a church that prayed for one another. <laughs> that we become a church that, you know, that on a Sunday morning that we knew that if people walked in here that were sick that could walk into that prayer meeting and know that they would get prayed for and that God could heal them. You know, I would love to think in 12 months that um, we had outgrown that little room because we became a church that prays and that we grew so much out of that that we had to move into the chapel for prayer time. Wouldn't that be great? Does anyone agree with that? That you know, I, I wrote this little thing down here and it said, um, a church that prays together grows. <laughs> a church that prays together, you know, the whole church that prays together stays together. Well, a church that prays together grows. And if um, we truly want to see people looking, you know, I look around and I see all these seats around that are vacant and I think, how good would it be if we were a church that started praying for non-believers to be sitting in these seats? How good would that be? So 8 a.m. every Sunday in the lounge. Maybe that's God's talking to you right now and your spirit's just like, yep, that's me. I know that I've got to be a part of that. I love to pray. I love to see the spirit of God move. And so that's one of the things that I'm going to change. 
life groups. We have 60 life groups at the moment. And um, if you average out about 10 per group, I know some have got more. I've been to a few where the rooms are all squashed up and there's a lot of people in them. But um, 60 life groups happening in this church of 10 people. That's about 600 people in life groups. Isn't that phenomenal? And, um, you know, I look at the fact that that has been led well. And so thank you, Jenny, for your leadership of the, of the life groups. But you know what? Yay to you guys too because, you know, so many people come into a large church and they say, um, oh, I just can't get connected. And so there's a responsibility on us too that um, we need to, as we grow, we need to grow smaller. And so maybe if you're not feeling connected, join a life group. Join a life group. And just quickly, other things are continue to read your Bible. And as I said, take down notes and uh, scriptures and take it home. And, you know, take those scriptures to God and say, God, you know, this is what Murray or Kaz or Neil or whatever has presented to me today. But what would you have me learn through this? And so feed yourself. Uh, taking notes on Sundays and at Life Group, making things like influences a priority. You know, we have those sorts of things here, not just so we can have another thing we do, but so that we can continually be being stretched and grow in the things of God. Um, serve, that's another way of growing. Just, um, you know, if you want to be more like Jesus, guess what he did? He served. Um, be generous. You know, we know that that's a real growth area and it's a growth of our heart. And so um, maybe it's time, as Murray said today, for you just to think about how can I step into making sure that I am being generous within this place and just continue to get involved. You know, I know for me that I have got so much more growing and learning to do. And I know that um, I can do that myself. I need to feed myself. I need to go deeper into the Word of God. But I also know that I've got an incredible community around me with great things happening that I can step into. And one of the things that I have decided to do is to make that 8am prayer meeting a priority for me. I mean, it's hard sometimes when we're on, but when I'm not on, um, then that prayer meeting will be a priority to, for me. And I know I've got a lot of growing to do because I was actually in my office with um, a couple of young adults this week and uh, we were talking and laughing and uh, one of the young adults said, he said this, he said, have you ever noticed that senior pastors are really quirky? And I sat there and I'm thinking, yeah. And then I went, hang on a minute, you're talking about me and my husband. So thank you, Nathan. I realise I need to grow out of my quirkiness. But, you know, we're going to finish where we started. Together we grow in the grace and truth of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that we're on this incredible journey with you. And Father, we know that it's not a stagnant journey, that it's a journey of life and life in its abundance. And so, Father, we just pray right now that you will just speak to all of us, Lord, about the areas that we need to grow in, both individually, but also as a community. Father, we want this place to be a lighthouse for those who don't yet know you. So Father, help us to lay aside our things, our indifferences, so that we can be all that you created us to be. In Jesus' precious name, amen.